The Edge has become the playground for some of the most innovative technology companies launching specialized private 5G applications. Advancements like Open RAN, programmable networks, intent-based network slicing and AI-driven automation are promising new level of efficiencies in processing humongous data volumes with ultra-low latencies at the distributed network edge. However, the industry continues to struggle on a common understanding of the necessary steps required to make multi-access edge a reality for enterprise applications. So what are the gaps and challenges and what do we need to do about it? Let's find out. Hi guys, this is your host Ashish Jain and you're listening to the Alignment Podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact. Meet my guest for today's podcast, Michael Rekia, Global Telco Solution Architect at Red Hat. With decades of experience working at AT&T and Verizon, he's an expert with hands-on experience in strategy, architecture, design and testing of programmable network deployment with cloud-native edge solutions in the open RAN environment. In our discussion today, we will uncover a few things. The challenges in materializing the vision of distributed intelligent edge, different flavors of edge cloud, and which one should enterprises care the most about. What's the relationship and dependencies between edge cloud and private 5G, and most importantly, the steps enterprises, operators, and vendors need to take to make distributed edge a reality. So without further ado, let me welcome Michael Rekia. Mike, thanks for joining our podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here, Ashish. Thanks for having me. Great. I hope our conversation today helps uh, some of the telecom operators and enterprises understand the paradigm shift that is happening from cloud to the edge and the role some of the new technologies is going to play in sustaining their future innovation. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and involvement with edge cloud and private 5G? Certainly. Um, I have a long career. I started my career with Bell Labs um, back in the mid-80s. And uh, at the time, I was doing network operating system uh, development. Uh, Eventually, I found my way into the networking space. And uh, over that long career, as things developed, uh, we found ourselves moving closer and closer to the edge with cellular technology and uh, with 5G now with ultra low latency and much higher density in terms of IoT devices, we find ourselves right at the edge of the network and in particular with enterprise services at the edge. Uh, So 5G now promises to provide a lot of value in that space. Um, I was one of the original architects for the radio edge cloud, uh, in particular for the open RAN ran intelligent controller, which now puts in the hands of the operator the ability to develop uh, feature sets that they would normally have to wait uh, the vendor to provide, right? So, for example, with microservices running on an edge cloud, I can actually manipulate the control plane and develop very precise RAN optimizations for particular um, edge verticals that are running on the user plane. So it's a very exciting space, and I'm really happy to be developing in that space. That's great. I think there's a lot of innovation happening here, and I think the challenge with a lot of innovation happening also is a lot of confusion that comes along with that. So hopefully we can uh, we can clarify yes. a few things here, right? So so let's start with that, right? So for our audience, let's define what is Edge Cloud and why do we need it. 
Well, uh, as you probably know, um, there are a lot of services now that depend on very low latency, right? And what that means is the time it takes for a packet to do a round trip between the service provider equipment, the end user, and then back. And that's sort of the latency time. Um, in order to take advantage of that, we have to get closer to the user and we need newer technologies in order to enable that. So we're at the moment in time where that's happening. Uh, we're getting uh, closer to the edge in terms of the build out of data centers and the technology has advanced to the point now where we can actually achieve sub millisecond latency from the edge of the network. Um, so for example, using millimeter wave RF, we're able to achieve sub millisecond latency for certain use cases and the types of things that need that. So for example, let's take gaming uh, and virtual reality. Um, in order to get a very smooth video rendering, we need that round trip latency to be sub millisecond. Otherwise the user would see it um, and they wouldn't have a very good experience. And so that's why we need, that's, a, that's an example, but an example of why we need uh, to be at the edge of the network. Interesting. So there is this whole construct to your point, right? That the edge cloud construct is viewed as an enabler of the next generation, you know, 5G applications, industrial applications, or the newer enterprise applications. And and you talked about the round trip delay that, that mandates, you know, something to be closer to the edge. Now, the two questions I'm going to ask you there. One is, you know, why can't the existing network meet that need? And second, more importantly, is... Um, Enterprise used to have everything on-premise, uh, I mean, from PBXs to firewalls to routers to application servers and everything. And, you know, there was a time period, right, and still is, you know, talking about the benefits of cloud computing and pushing everything and migrating their applications to the public cloud infrastructure. Uh, now, seems like, you know, we're coming back to that notion of, say, okay, we need to be closer. We need to come back to the, you know, closer to the premise, at least, and, and, and calling, you know, it an edge. I mean, where do you see, I mean, do you see that is causing confusion for CIOs and they're getting stuck in a loop to make a business decision? Okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to go to the cloud, keep everything at premise what I had before? Or what is this new thing? Well, again, it depends on the use case, right? Um, and the other part of this equation is the amount of data uh, that we're talking about. Most of the data that needs to be processed is at the edge of the network. And what I mean by that is as close to the, enterprise data center as possible, right? Um, so think of it this way. Um, there's lots of data being processed, but we don't need to burden the network itself with that data. Um, if you've got a data set and 99.9% .9 of that data is being processed locally, um, you're actually wasting network resources by sending it to a centralized cloud, having it processed, and then a response sent back to the user. Rather than do that, what we're doing and the way networks are being architected today um, is something that I like to call the distributed intelligent edge, where we process that 99.9% .9 of the data at the edge of the network, because that's where all the benefits accrue, right? Take the data, we process it, we'll let's say do video rendering at the edge of the network, we'll do it within sub-millisecond uh, when we need to, 
Um, and then we'll develop uh, insights from the data. You know, we can do things like deep learning and machine learning at the edge of the network where the data is. And then if somebody centrally needs to know about it, we can aggregate that data and then send insights northbound. So really that's what's happening is that um, you have a distribution of, of uh, data, most of that data being at the edge as close to the uh, user um, as possible and we want to process it there that's where you want to take care of it so the, we do two things right we offer services at the edge of the network and number two because we're doing that we manage at the edge of the network and um, that's the way things are evolving and 5g is helping us do that 5g has the capability to provide those things that i talked about earlier for example the sub millisecond uh, latency with particular bands, particular spectrum in 5G new radio, uh, in particular millimeter wave. Um, also, because of the processing power of the cloud environment, um, we're able to process uh, so many more IoT devices per square kilometer. So just to give you an idea, a million devices per square kilometer in 5G versus 10,000 in prior mm -hmm. generations. So there's significant value add, not just in the technology, but in the data. So those are the two key things, right? Distributed edge with most of the data being at the edge of the network and the newer technology that allows us to do these things like very low latency and very high IoT support. I'll ask a very fundamental question here, and this may be 101, right, uh, type of a question. I mean... This whole notion of the distributed edge existed um, in for you know for many years with fixed network for sure, right? I mean, we've been shipping CPEs for the enterprise premise. There's you know central offices, uh, uh, OLTs, ONTs that go get deployed close to you know when a fiber deployments. I mean, that is fundamentally a distributed network because you have to have such equipment closer to the enterprise or the consumer premise. And, and you're implementing, you know, processing a lot of data there. So is this a new notion more so for the wireless network than so for the fixed network? It is because if you look at the what's been offered over wireless um, 4G and prior, we're primarily focused on consumer services. Um, so consumer revenues for the telco, if you will. Um, over the past several years, there's been a decline or um, a decrease in the rate of uh, new services inbound from consumers. Um, and so the concept of enterprise over cellular now has taken on new meaning, right? The, the telcos and the MNOs and the MVNOs, they have to replace those declining revenues. Uh, so here comes 5G to the rescue. We now have the capability, uh, instead of using a wireline construct or paradigm, we can now use a cellular infrastructure to offer enterprise services really for the first time over cellular. Um, and because of that, uh, and because most of the data is at the edge of the network, hence, you know, the distributed edge within a cellular context. So that's what's new. It's replacing the consumer services with enterprise services. And then with the combination of a CapEx reduction, because we're using cloud uh, environments and hence, um, you know, general purpose computing uh, hardware, 
with a cloud context, as well as automation. We're reducing OpEx and CapEx at the same time we're bringing in new sources of revenue, namely the enterprise revenue. Thus, the hope is we increase our margins going forward, right? So that's what's driving this. It's enterprise services at the edge of the network with decreased CapEx and OpEx, hence uh, better margins for the telco or, or the MNO or, or whoever's providing the service or the, or the network infrastructure. So a lot of that means a lot of things for, you know, the wireless industry uh, players, right? People who are trying to play in enabling those wireless enterprise services, Mm -hmm. you know, telcos, um, cloud providers, now all of a sudden, you know, entering into the market with wireless offerings for private networks. Yeah. Um, Right. And I think that's a a play. But from an enterprise perspective, if if we understand, okay, they have to, they have a vested interest in this to make their services a reality, right? It's a foundational element, let's assume that. Uh, from an enterprise perspective, somebody who's thinking about it, do they need to care? I mean, or is it part of the package? Do they need to care about what in particular? Uh, they, they do, do they need to care about the whole idea of edge and things like that? And I'm going to frame my question a little differently, right? So let's say, I mean, they've they've been they've constructed their network uh, for many years, right? I mean, they're using routers and switches and whatnot. They've been using Wi-Fi internally. Now yeah. all of a sudden, we are yeah, talking yeah. about, um, you know, they have DAS systems. I mean, they've they've been they've been some wireless in form of Wi-Fi and DAS and whatnot, and uh, they their fixed networks have been there and they've constructed their their existing network in a certain way, right? And now all of a sudden we are talking about private networks. Great. I mean that itself has this, has a new notion of network investment or network architecture that they need to put in small cells and things like that. But from their perspective, as I mean, I'm thinking as a firm, I'm a CIO here, right? And what changes with the edge-based deployment? I mean, can we boil it down to two or three main things that enterprise CIOs need to consider in planning their network to benefit from the experiences promised by the 5G edge applications? Well, one of the biggest differences in, in cellular and in particular 5G versus, let's say, a VPN service um, is that now you have a lot more flexibility in terms of how you multiplex the physical infrastructure. Without getting into a lot uh, of the nitty gritty, um, there's something in 5G called network slicing. And as an enterprise, you're going to be very interested in that. You now have the ability through your UE, through your smartphone, uh, or through some other um, user equipment um, that has an IP stack uh, and a subscription to what's called a slice. Essentially, you're able to build your own private uh, isolated network um, that you could either manage yourself as an enterprise or you could... Uh, basically outsource the management too. That's the fundamental difference. And and from that perspective, you need to care, right? Because now you have, uh, in essence, your own virtual network um, that you you may be offering certain types of services from it, maybe financial services as an example. Um, And so you have a vested interest in the operation of that network. Then, depending on the use case, um, you'll be interested on where those services are being provided from. So let's say um, you have uh, a robotics installation or you have um, an installation where the latency over the telemetry is really critical. 
you're gonna you're gonna have a vested interest in moving some of those services right to the right to the edge or even at the far edge through a white box on your prem. So that's what's happening, right? You're you're now able to get your own little virtual network. You have certain um, capabilities within that virtual network. You have options in terms of how you manage it, and you have options in terms of where you actually place the services. Um, now that now on the flip side of this is that people are going to ask, okay, that's fine, but now I have to operate it, and so I don't I don't really want to do that. Well, there's that area is being um, actively engaged. There's different business models for, you know, how the network itself gets managed. Um, there's this idea of a mobile virtual network operator or an MVNO, which would then use that slice and manage it um, as they're providing particular services. But now as a CIO, you've got a lot more flexibility in how you conduct business. You can change things from day to day. You can bring down a particular virtual network or a slice. Uh, you can commission a new slice that offers different types of service than the slice you had the previous day. Um, and in essence, these slices, you know, they take on a life cycle. They're commissioned, they have a lifespan, and then they're decommissioned. And then perhaps you have uh, some other thing that you want to do, and, and hence you build another slice. So now you've got a much more flexibility in terms of actually building a virtual network versus on the wireline side, you would have to order your VPN. Uh, your VPN would basically be with a set of fixed locations. Um, you'd have limits in terms of the, um, the QoS and the classes of service that you'd be able to contract with 5G. Um, you can pretty much call up the network slice um, when you need it, and then you can, you know, use it for a period of time and then decommission it. So that's the world we're entering. Yeah. So, so when we say network slice, right? Network slice, at least, you know, at a very high level, is still a very operators operator centric notion of how they will be able to deliver private network to enterprise. Although the network slice concept, I'm sure, can be applied. Uh, for you know a private network built and operated by enterprise also is that is that correct i mean network slicing is yeah. just a way to say <laughs> you can segment your network just like you said vpn uh, um, for different purposes with a guaranteed or certain level of sla that you expect from that particular slice whether it is owned and operated by an enterprise themselves or it is delivered as a shared infrastructure by the carrier I mean, there's different operating models, right? There's this one model where I'm a carrier, like an AT&T, I'm a telco, um, and then I contract out to an entity that's interested in providing some class of telco services or subclass of telco services. So they'll engage with AT&T, they'll work out a business agreement, um, and they'll, you know, there'll be a slice commissioned, and the, the enterprise that that operates the slice is called an MVNO. They go, they come into it with full knowledge that they're getting a virtual network. They're going to be operating that network. There's certain costs associated with it and so on. But then there's other business models where um, enterprise will bring up a particular slice as a service or a slice as a service. They'll use that for a period of time. They may not necessarily operate that. They, you know, there are, there are models under development where they're able to build, uh, bring up a slice, 
another entity manages it for them, they just provide the services from that slice. Perhaps they're just providing those services to certain locations within their enterprise. Um, and so that's what they do in that particular case. So there's different models. There's different business arrangements. The most classic one when people think of slicing is there's a, there's a mobile virtual network operator that gets a slice or a virtual network from a telco like an AT&T, and then they operate that slice. But again, there are other models, the enterprise model being you know, the most popular one, where I'm going to, as an enterprise, I'm going to bring up a particular slice that offers a particular set of services based on a template, uh, and I'm going to use that slice for a period of time and then decommission it. And it's much more adaptable in the mobile context, right? The, the people that work for your enterprise can essentially work for, from uh, wherever they have an access point to the cellular infrastructure, right? And so the, that access point um, is essentially subdivided and becomes part of that slice, right? So think of it as um, you get uh, a virtual RU instance as part of your slice, or you get a virtual DU instance and a virtual CU instance. What that means is that the front-end equipment is virtualized, what we used to call the baseband unit, is virtualized and disaggregated into the ORU, into the RU, DU, and the CU. Um, and then wherever the employees in your company are, um, they're able to pull up instances of those entities um, that become part of your slice. So there's different, my point here is that there's different arrangements for actually operating a slice um, and uh, I just, you know, I just pointed out two of the more relevant ones. One is the MVNO model where I, you know, an MVNO just operates a slice for particular telco services. and It's a subset of service. Another one is for the enterprise where I'm engaging some kinds of uh, telco services that are very unique to my enterprise. Um, and it's very adaptable because it's mobile and I can use it wherever I want to use it. So network slicing is one of the many ways to create a private network for an enterprise. I mean, mostly it's discussed in context of MVNO or an operator delivering in private enterprise. But enterprises have a choice to build their, their network themselves if they choose to go route, down the route of CBRS, GA, or PAL licenses, or they procure the license themselves. Now, in those scenarios, right, where the enterprise is building their own network without worrying about the network slicing um, from another operator or MVNO. How does the notion of cloud edge or edge cloud changes? Well, of course, the big benefit is that with cloud, you can now orchestrate the network functions where you need them, right? So, you know, let's say your your employee base is very mobile and they could be at any part of the world at any given time. Um, what will happen with network slicing is that, um, you know, it, again, if things are designed properly, uh, and again, we're in the early stages of network slicing, so some of what I'm saying um, is a little bit into the future, but however, it's not that far into the future when you think about you know, containerization, virtualization, the ability to orchestrate network functions where you need them, and that would apply with slices. So if you build a particular slice, um, if, you, if you use the concept of slice as a service, or you call up a predefined slice based on a template, 
what's going to happen in those cases is that you'll have instances of the virtual network function will be orchestrated at data centers that are close to where you are as an employee. So you move, you go from New York one day to Los Angeles the next day, and you need to be engaged in that slice. Um, as long as the data centers are smartly deployed, and that's a key um, caveat. Uh, it's one of the things that the telcos are struggling with right now is that where exactly do I put my my far edge, my edge, and my core data centers so that when I need to orchestrate things, I can do them optimally. But let's make that assumption for the moment that I've solved that problem and I've optimally um, distributed my data centers and I, I've either built them or I've rented them from particular entities. Now, assuming as long as I have the native infrastructure to build the cloud, which means general purpose hardware, some sort of cloud context, you know, for example, like OCP, OpenShift Container Platform, uh, which is essentially a, a, you know, a, um, a container platform on top of Kubernetes. Um, as long as I have these infrastructures in place, I can now take my orchestrator, which, which, um, which, is, a, which is a component of network slicing, um, and then orchestrate the network functions where I need them to be. That's a big, big uh, cost savings uh, and flexibility advantage versus if you're an enterprise and you want to build your own cellular infrastructure. Uh, first of all, you're probably, if, if, you, if, you, if you go to do that, at some point you're probably going to hit a provider that's going to give you a virtual network function anyway. Um, because things are being cloudified in, in, in any sense, uh, in any way. But um, it's just going to be too costly for you to do that, right? You know, you would much rather be, be in a position where you can orchestrate the subnets of a slice versus building your own because the, just the cost differential will be just so significant that you wouldn't want to do it. Secondly, the things like security... Uh, um, of the network itself, um, these are major concerns when you're building a network, right? You have to take care of all of the FCAPs, meaning all of the management functions, including the security piece, which is that S at the end of FCAPs. Um, with network slicing, depending on your business model and the arrangement with the telco, um, a lot of the operations um, will be handled uh, by you know, the mobile virtual network operator or the telco. Um, and you as an enterprise don't necessarily have to be concerned with, again, it's a, it depends on the, on the arrangement and the business model. You may have to be, but for the most part, things like security are built into the standards when it comes to things like network slicing. Are there things that you'll have to do in addition to what's in the standard? Yes, you will. But you've, you've taken a big load off your back in terms of worry about security and in general, worrying about how you manage the network, right? So it's cost, it's significant cost differential, it's security concerns, and it's the whole management um, headache that uh, you wouldn't have to worry about uh, you would have to worry about but to a much lesser extent than if you were building your own network from scratch. That's the biggest difference. I mean, virtualization is a fundamental shift in OpEx and CapEx, right? That's what's giving the, allowing the margins to get bigger. Um, so I mentioned earlier 
that 5G now um, is seen as the enterprise release. So enterprise services being provided at the edge of the network. At the same time, I'm reducing my costs because I'm containerizing, I'm virtualizing, and I'm orchestrating. And that's a big deal. And, and that's giving me the margins I need. So I believe that shift, right, of virtualization and containerization of network functions is regardless, right, whether um, the enterprises choose a path of leveraging a network slice or building their own. I believe, you know, is that a fair statement? Yeah, but there's many other things, right? So let's look at a slice end-to-end. Um, so you have your UE, inside your UE, your user equipment. Um, it could be a smartphone, it could be another device, but you'll have a subscription data inside that phone. And basically it identifies uh, the slices that you're, you're subscribed to. Uh, and then when you call up the slice, um, there's certain network functions that get engaged uh, in order to do that. Well, I'm going to go into the detail right now, but to suffice it to say that part of the standard is a set of slicing network functions that get engaged um, when you pull up a slice. Um, so that's what's happening. The network functions uh, are being pulled up. The network functions associated with the service that you need are being engaged. So um, in this in this case, it's cellular uh, and, and a uh, virtual RU is being spun up, a virtual CU and a virtual DU. Those are the disaggregated elements of what we used to call the BBU or the baseband unit. Mm -hmm. Those three things are now being spun up, but they're unique to you. And then, in addition to that, um, not only is that happening uh, in the core, what we, what we call the 5G core uh, or the LTE core in the case of 4G, but it's also happening on the RAN. So there's a set of RAN network functions, there's a set of core network functions, and then, oh, by the way, there are various transports in between all of that. So, for example, from the antenna system uh, in the radio unit, um, down to the DU, um, we have what's called a front hall. Um, that's considered part of the, generally speaking, the transport. Um, and then you have the connectivity between the disaggregated uh, DU, which is the distributed unit, and uh, the central unit, or the CU. That's called the mid hall, right? So there's this link between the DU, your instance of a DU, and your instance of a CU, um, that's called the mid-hall, right? So basically you're carving out bandwidth from the front hall to your particular instances of, of, of those network functions, the bandwidth from the mid-hall and those particular instances of the network functions. And then you have the backhaul from the CU disaggregated function and all of the core elements themselves. So, so now you have these three legs of the transport that have to get orchestrated um, that have nothing to do with non-slicing stuff, right? So you ask the question, even if it wasn't slicing, you would still have to do orchestration of network functions. That's true. But in the case of slicing, now I have to tie those, I have to stitch those network functions together because after all, I'm making a slice and I have to include those transports that are part of that. And that's not the end of it. Um, remember I talked about on the multi-access edge cloud, the MEC, uh, which would get deployed at an edge data center on an edge cluster. Um, that mech sits on top of a network function that we call the user plane function in 5G. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be particular services, we call microservices that run on the mech, um, that are going to get instantiated, that are going to be just part of your slice. And then, oh, by the way, there's going to be some RAN optimizations needed for those microservices via uh, what we call X-apps or the equivalent of microservices running on the Radio Edge cloud or part of the open RAN spec. They're going to do particular RAN optimizations for each and every one of those microservices on the net. It gets complicated, but suffice it to say that it's not just network function orchestration as you would do anyway. It's, I get, yes, I have to do network function orchestration, but I also have to do all of these other elements that comprise a slice. And so to take that out of your hands uh, and put it in the hands of an automation, uh, essentially, uh, you know, orchestration and management uh, automation is a big deal. That becomes part of the entire, you know, OPEX savings uh, story. Yeah, no, so if I summarize what you're saying is you're, you're vouching a bit more towards, you know, the model of network slicing yes. over, uh, you know, over a dedicated private network that an enterprise would own and operate because, you know, the complexities are, are massive in doing that. However, uh, we all know, I mean, network slicing is it's a little futuristic right now. I mean, not, not a whole lot of deployments have happened around that. And uh, so far, that has been less popular than yeah. the dedicated networks. But I'm sure, you know, that will pick up pace uh, yeah. as the technology gets mature. So, so let's shift gears a little bit, right? So we talked about, I mean, at the end of the day, the network needs to solve a business problem. Um, and the applications that demand or warrant, uh, you know, things like this for enterprises to consider even 5G or for that matter, private cellular networks, uh, whether it's LTE or 5G. So there is this whole new notion of, you know, application built for the edge or think edge out and cloud in. And a lot of time what happens is the, you know, the, the applications uh, that are being pitched or discussed, you know, there has been a thin line between okay, what do I re- why do I really need to put this on an edge versus cloud the way I've done it uh, before? I mean, they've already made a cloud migration and put my applications there, uh, and you know now I need to rethink about this and, and start thinking about building applications at the edge as well. And, and you already mentioned some of this, you know, the need fundamental characteristics to assess what makes sense is around trip latency, right, or, or heavy bandwidth requirements, but. Are there applications, you know, and use cases that you've come across that warrants, first of all, the edge deployment in, in the right uh, edge infrastructure and are realistic and viable in short term? Yes. As, again, as I mentioned earlier, um, there are several use cases. Uh, we group them into a category called ultra-reliable low-latency communications, um, or URLLC. And... Um, just think of a hypothetical partnership between a telco and a gaming company. We all know through testing in the lab, um, as well as real life experience, um, and you've probably seen this at home as well, uh, with video artifacts on your television. Um, if there is a network outage, let's say in a, in a traditional wireline environment, uh, in the core of the network, there's a, there's a fiber cut and there's a reroute of uh, 50 milliseconds, right? So the carriers have designed their networks in such a way that they're very resilient. But we know through practice, even in the best case where we get a 50 millisecond 
reroute because the, we took a fiber, a backhoe hit a fiber and, you know, broke the fiber. But the network designer made sure that there was a backup route. And because of the technology, we were able to achieve a 50 millisecond reroute time. Now, everybody thinks that's great, right? That was always sort of the standard uh, with fiber. Can you get me a 50 millisecond reroute? But we've learned over the years that for certain codecs, uh, and for certain video streams, even 50 milliseconds is not good enough. And you've seen it. We've all seen it. We're watching TV. There's a network outage in the core of, let's say, Verizon's network or somebody's network. And we see a manifestation uh, in the video, some sort of you know, f uh, frame freezing or um, some other manifestation where it, it's a clue that something happened in the network, right? So we have this experience from the wireline network itself, where we thought we were engineering to a great standard, right? After all, I mean, 50 milliseconds, it sounds really good, right? But we learned over the years that, no, not for everything. So, so right off the bat, we know that things associated with video rendering, especially things like 360 video, uh, virtual reality, um, augmented reality, stuff like that, we now know um, is going to perform very poorly in the, in the 50 millisecond range. And so through a lot of testing, um, we've discovered that if we get down to the sub-millisecond range, we're not going to see, uh, it'd be very unlikely that we would see manifestations in the video if something happened. And people can see it. If you're, if you're doing gaming and you're doing VR, we already know that the VR rendering has to be at the edge. Uh, otherwise, we're not going to have a good experience in most cases. Uh, and, and that's and that's what we're dealing with, right? If you think about where the placement of the edge data centers will be, that's another strategic question. Where do I build them out such that 99% of the time I'm within a millisecond in terms of speed of light calculation, right? So it's a difficult problem because you have speed of light calculation, you have processing time on the network nodes, um, you have processing time on the UE and then the software itself that runs the application. So it's a complicated equation, but our chances of being able to deal with it are much better when we're at the edge of the network and we can get the sub-millisecond latencies. There are, there are a number of use cases that require this. Um, so things like command and control to certain vehicles, um, not necessarily drones, but other vehicles that have uh, a bad temper when they don't get a response within a millisecond. Um, um, so there's things like that, applications where the IoT devices themselves are expecting responses in, in, a, in a much lower range. We originally thought that was going to be an issue with drones with the C2 protocol, which is basically the controller protocol for drones, but that that has not turned out to be the experience. It's somewhere around the order of 10 to 20 milliseconds, uh, and even that needs a little bit of refinement. Um, but even again, think of it. I think of the what I talked about earlier, the 50 millisecond target. Uh, actually, it was 50 to 75 millisecond on the wireline side. Now we're down to sub millisecond at the edge of the network with, with cellular using millimeter wave bands. Um, that's a pretty substantial improvement. 
um, and it's needed for these URLs, URLLC use cases. And, you know, video rendering is an obvious one, um, but there are many more on the horizon. It's more so an issue on the user plane, by the way. So if you think of the edge of the network, there's really two edge clouds at a high level. There's the multi-axis edge cloud, which sits on top of the user plane function. So there you're concerned about latency in terms of user packets or data packets associated with the user plane, if you will. Uh, so that's basically the application data that is being run. The second cloud is the Radio Edge cloud, um, which OpenRAN is uh, manipulating. And essentially, that's the control plane so that you can optimize the RAN for those use cases running on the, on the Mac on the user plane, right? So a simple case would be class of service. So let's say I'm offering a guaranteed bit rate class of service over a network slice. Um, a slice is comprised of several subnets, right? I mentioned some of them before, like the RU and the DU and the CU, the, all the transport segments, the applications that run on them, some of the core network functions and the distribution of those, those network functions. Each one of those, including each cloud cluster, has to adhere to the end-to-end -end class of service. So if it's guaranteed bitrate, every one of the cloud infrastructures, every one of the clusters under those network functions has to adhere to that guaranteed bit rate. Same thing with the latency requirement, right? So that's one of the other challenges of network slicing in the use cases is oftentimes it's more than just worrying about the edge of the network, right? It's a given that for my ultra-reliable low-latency communications, I'm going to need some millisecond at the edge of the network. But in addition to that, I've got all of the subnets that are part of um, that are part of the end-to-end -end slice, I need to make sure that each subnet will help me meet the end-to-end -end class of service or service attribute, whatever that attribute might be. Class of service is one attribute. Um, there are others. Uh, and so that's another consideration. So, yeah, in response to your question, it's not just an edge question. It's in the case of network slicing, it involves all of the subnets that are part of that slice. Uh, do you see, you know, like a fundamental elements, like if you have to wrap it up and say, okay, Mr. CIO or whoever is trying to look into this market, what are the fundamental elements uh, that they need to start thinking about in doing private networks, edge cloud and things like that, right? Overall for their or their newer applications they're trying to build. And let's, you know, business use cases keep in mind, whether it is a, you know, a different way of deploying the equipment, whether it is, you know, let's characterize them at a very high level bucket. Is it a new type of programming? I mean, we heard, we hear about programmable networks. Uh, we didn't even touch upon that, but, you know, something you may want to touch upon um, uh, close uh, quickly in terms of, okay, what are some of the areas that, uh, changes for enterprise and they need to start thinking about these bucket areas. Yeah, and of course it depends on the enterprise and the use case. Um, so for example, if we consider government agencies as enterprises, um, they might have a particular set of requirements that are different than, let's say, private sector um, enterprises, right? So a good example would be, um, let's take Department of Defense um, as an example, where there's a lot of interest in, 
you know, private G-node bees that would be deployed in the field and the, the G-node bees would be, would be mobile. And then there would be IoT devices that would be placed on other vehicles that are, would be part of the field, if you will. And then there would be several personnel, uh, soldiers uh, and other personnel that would be equipped with IoT devices on their, uh, on their uniforms, right? So now you have a situation where you have um, a large field of IoT devices and you have to do two things in, in, in this case. You, you have to be able to calculate situations so they call that situational awareness. So there's lots of data coming in from the IoT devices. So you're doing things like deep learning. Um, you have distributed neural networks, um, machine learning, and so on. So there's a lot of data to crunch to come up with a conclusion about what's actually happening and what could happen. Right. So some of those are the things that those guys are going to look at is I've got a certain situation now and I've got particular dynamics going on. What's the picture going to look like, you know, a half an hour from now? And then I might do things like targeting and so on. So my point is that now with a million devices per square kilometer, um, with my ultra low latency and my higher bandwidth, I've got a lot more data that I'm processing. So a, a big burgeoning area in the distributed intelligent edge is the DNN, right? Uh, distributed neural networks. In addition to what we would just traditionally call deep learning and machine learning. Um, a lot of data to be crunched. I, I mentioned that before in the context of video rendering. That was a simple case because the data is kind of uniform. Um, and you can, you know, you're basically doing one function. You're, you're reading the data, then you're rendering the data. In the case of the use case that I just mentioned, I need, I need algorithms now that can process large amounts of data and then help me make decisions uh, about, number one, what's going on now and then what to do next. And that requires a higher degree of intelligence. Now I have to communicate to... Not only am I running my DNN algorithms, my deep learning and my machine learning algorithms, but I may have to do other things. Like I might have to scale out my cloud infrastructure, as an example. Um, I, I'm going to have to optimize the distribution of my workloads on my cloud. Uh, I have to worry more about that now than before because I don't want my data collection workload uh, to be on the same uh, worker node um, as my analytics engine, right? Because I'm gonna I'm just gonna be using up too many resources on the same worker. So now it becomes more now it becomes really critical to be able to intelligently optimize the workload distribution across your clusters. Um, so this whole idea now it's a new area actually is uh, enhancing the ability to signal from the network layer to the cloud infrastructure layer because of these things. Um, and then the new algorithms that we're going to need in order to process all of that data. I mean, these are NP-complete problems, right? They won't finish in our, in our lifetimes. So it's a more heuristic approach to the data, but, but using heuristics to make really important decisions. 
And again, I, you know, that, that was a really critical use case. There could be other use cases that are far more simple than that and not as complex, but it spans the gamut. And I think the first thing that somebody would need to know now is what do I actually need? What are the requirements of my use case? Do I need 5G to do this? Do I need millimeter wave really? Um, you know, do I really need a million devices per square kilometer for my particular situation? So there's a, so there's a new, uh, checklist up front, if you will, uh, in order to gauge uh, where you're going to get the most value out of 5G. And there's, a, and there's lots of different areas to, that are part of that checklist. <laughs> Perfect. No, this is a great, uh, great response. I think uh, we all understand the, the market is moving towards business use cases. And I think the challenge really is for people to really understand, first of all, checklist is good, but okay, based on that checklist, they need guidance on what applies to them for that checklist. And the second is, even if I yeah. know what I need from that checklist, what is my next logical step? That's right. Um, yeah. Right. And uh, a lot of time, you know, pe things get uh, muddied up in a lot of marketing uh, noise of, you know, edge, 5G and multi-access edge, um, uh, private networks that, that you know, <laughs> enterprises can deploy using CBRS yeah. or whatnot, and I think there is there is, needs to be a, a forum uh, that actually helps uh, set define the path. Right, if you're doing this, here's the path. Yeah, um, we actually looked at that. Um, uh, one of the things, you know, I was part of the original, you know, from my work at AT and T, I was part of the original ecomp architecture team. Um, lots of great people uh, developing e-comp and I was one of you know several people um, but over time we learned that um, we had to do better uh, in terms of the design piece right so if you're building an orchestrator and let's say you're using an orchestrator to um, define a slice and then orchestrate the slice you need to do a better job in your service design and creation uh, part of your orchestrator, right? So just to carry the ecomp and ONAP analogy forward a little bit, um, one of the things that can be done here is exploration of service design and creation uh, applied to network slicing and how do you develop, how do you get the right set of requirements in order to build a proper slice for a given use case? So I think that's one area to look at is how we build an operations profile, if you will, for the intended service of that slice. Um, and then how does that um, get done intelligently in terms of collecting the requirements for it? Um, that's yeah. another piece that needs to be automated, right? The whole idea of here's my network, it, it happens to be a slice, but it's going to be used to provide certain sets of services. Those services are defined by what's called either a services profile or an operations profile. And then if you model that properly, you can feed that to a sandbox uh, to do automated certification and testing of that service. So that's one way that's being looked at and being explored to sort of say, how do you collect those requirements up front and build the proper slice given that set of requirements. So, 
That's great. Well, I hope uh, this this thing get materialized some some sometime soon because that is a yeah. a need in the market for sure. Yeah. Well, I really thank you for your time, Mike. Uh, really enjoyed the discussion. Lot of lot of great insights. You absolutely are an expert in this area. So, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the discussion. I hope this helps our audience. Yeah, I really had a great time, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Great discussion, Mike. Your assertion about the future of distributed intelligent edge and network slicing is intriguing. Edge has different meaning for different people. I'm sure CIOs will learn a great deal from your insights on how to think about their wireless network evolution for the emerging business applications running at their network edge. Thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the Alignment Podcast on your favorite platform. It's A L Y N M E N T. We hope you will continue the conversation by asking questions and sharing your thoughts on the edge cloud evolution we see in the enterprise private cellular networking. Feel free to reach out to me at ashish.jain at kairospulse.com or drop me a note on my LinkedIn. Till next time, sharpen your edge.